0: It's a dark and stormy and endlessly creeping night all across Innsmouth Hive. Fear not, we're your beacon of light. 665.66 UHMR ChemRat Radio.
1: It's funny you mention dark and stormy night, Gobbo, because we actually have no weather today. There is nothing. No, no choking smog. No hive fires. Might be a good day. You're lying. I'm sure there's something going on somewhere. Yeah, I just think you're lying.
0: Well, Kev has invited us down for a drinker 13 at Vanderbilt's resupply. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure how he's getting those discounts, but I, it might have something to do with how much he drinks there.
0: We've been told to recommend Octavia's special. I heard it's pretty much the entire top shelf with a red squig tossed in, just so it looks good when it comes back up.
1: That's the good stuff. It's like a squig bomb. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's a new one. We got squig bombs.
0: It's not so much how much
2: he drinks; it's just what he drinks
0: it in. He only has one but it's in like a 140 so super double big gulp cup <laughs> it's just a huge boot
1: <laughs> no it's
0: it's like it's like a it's like a fucking artillery round that you're drinking out of yeah <laughs> Not drilled out.
3: (laughs) Actually, I did that at Wasteland. I think it was our first year we were doing picklebacks out of a
0: 30-millimeter shell. So speaking of doing picklebacks out of a 30-millimeter drill, I heard that the Inquisition is doing raids all over the hive. Something about aliens on the loose? I'm not sure about you guys, but I plan on staying in fucking doors.
1: Mm, Aliens.
2: Well, technically being in a hive, I think we're always indoors. Oh, damn it. I thought you
1: were going to say there's always aliens here. I was like, you know, you're kind of right. I mean that too. Which side is the inside of the door? <laughs> the, the, ends the mouth. I
2: was just
3: going
0: to say, so which side is the <laughs> inside? I'm like the ends mouth side. I'll be your hosts for tonight's romp through the Vox Waves Goblin King, and as always, I am joined by my co 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 haste, my co host my cohag that's, hey, that's where that's very good coho my cohag
1: marky no nah, i like coho no yeah, co-ho, I co-hag. Co-ho. coho my coho shut
0: up hag introduce yourself
1: it's ho it's ho if you're gonna if you're gonna disrespect me do it right co-ho. <laughs> co-ho. <laughs> i'm sorry motherfucker <laughs> hey dumbass <laughs> what it is bitches yeah, right. hey dumbass
0: <laughs> joining us as always is the soothing baritone of beast Hello everyone. And drinking water so he's going to have a hard time introducing himself unless I drag this out for just another couple of seconds is our foreign correspondent Kev. Tell us Kev, how bad is it outside the uh shield wall this week? Thirst is real. Well, considering
3: that there's no weather in here, I would have to say that it's all outside. <laughs> so just don't <laughs> go
2: fucking outside. So, you know, as long as we stay indoors, it's a nice day. It ain't in here, it
0: all out there.
1: Bold statement, Kevin. Let's see if it pays off. He's talking about weather there (laughs)
0: all right guys so this is our second listener lore episode and our first time using the tales from the hive name i've actually been working on a specific logo some of you who are part of our patreon have already seen the sketches these guys have already seen the sketches and i'm hoping that i will have it out soon if not in time for this episode
1: yeah just you know disrespecting ryan's art is what i do
0: yeah yeah you're just making me redraw it over and over again
1: well i'm drawing over it and you know making fun of the other gangs as i do i feel (laughs) like no 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 the uh, tales Tales from the Hive
0: logo. The oh, that the that logo. one. Yeah. I thought
1: you meant the ganger logos. No, no, no. I did the, the
0: ganger logos. I'll yeah, disrespect that one too. Don't worry. Yeah, it's sorry. right. You're going to be talking it's to me. You ain't got a fucking hand.
1: <laughs> Ooh, <bro. laughs> Ooh, <bro. laughs> I'm down there, cockmonger. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Sam again? <laughs> Listen up, no nut Jay. All right. <laughs> I'm spent, man.
2: (laughs) So if you guys are all (laughs) fucking there. If you
0: guys ever want to get us your lore to be featured in one of our Tales of the Hive episodes, it's pretty easy. You can either email us or you can join us on Discord. We've got a wealth of ways to get it to us, including Google links, Google Sheets, stuff like that. Just as a quick reminder, we are continuing to develop the Innsmouth RPG. So if you are interested in checking that stuff out, we suggest that you get a little bit better acquainted with our Patreon and our Discord. There will be links in the show description and we'll plug all this stuff at the end of the episode but we wanted to get those calls for new lore out now also something to keep in mind make sure to send us those spooky tales those sightings of cryptids those weird ghost things that happen even your alien experiences and we will feature them on an upcoming lore obscurus. it's called spooky dookies everyone spooky dookies spooky dookies and we
1: want to hear spooky dookies So
0: without further ado, we are going to get into our first tale from the Hive. This one was submitted by Noir. Noir wanted us to know that this is a current work in progress, so he might have an update for us later. He's got a couple of notes here that he wanted us to go over before we jump into it. His story is called The Shieldmaidens of Fenris. The characters that we need to be familiar with are Brunhilda. Is that Brunhilda? Is that how you spell Bren, that? Brunhilda. is Brenhilda? All right. Brunhilda. Brunhilda. Like Tora. Brenhilde. Brenda and Brenna, who are twins, and then titles of Jarl, (laughs) Volva. Somebody tell me I'm pronouncing that wrong. (laughs) Volva? (laughs) Volvo? Jarl, (laughs) Volvo. No, there's Jarl, and the second title is, it looks like Volva, guys. V-O-L-V-A.
1: Volva. 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 We'll say Volva. Seed and Codic. then didn't, didn't mean Codic. to Codic. laugh at that noir, it was just you know, art. we're stupid. <laughs> I mean, I meant to laugh at it.
0: <laughs> the concept for this was inspired by the Sky Warriors. I'm guessing that's a either a tale or maybe a movie. Do you have any insight into Sky what Warriors? The Sky Warriors is? It sounds yeah. dope. Are you asking, are you asking me? Maybe, yeah, uh, well, anybody, yeah, Sky it's something Olympia. in actual like Viking mythology. I oh, that's oh, okay. badass. That's oh, super like Valkyries kind of thing, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah, dig it, awesome. All right, cool. So let's dig into it. So The Shield Maintenance of Fenris by Noir Wolf. As the wolf's eye climbed over the frozen tundra, Tora awoke. Groggily, she stretched and clambered off her cot. Standing sleepily, she looked about her hut that she had built, checking to see that none had snuck in and stolen her things. She grabbed her mammoth for a cloak and headed out. The frost wind blasted her full in the face, carrying off the last dredges of sleep that tried to cling to her. As she made her way down the road, she saw a few of the other tribe folk milling about their daily chores. The hunters were gathering weapons in hand, planning their hunt of the day. Once she got to the kitchen hall and started on her breakfast, she heard a loud yell coming from outside the walls. It was a yell she had heard once before, but would never forget. It was the sound of a troll, but it wasn't the only sound. There were also howls that carried over the wind as well. Before she knew it, there was a sound like thunder and a crash. She stood quickly and headed outside. The people in her tribe gathered their weapons and made for the center of the village. Forming a circle, they kept the children in the middle. Women and men armed with spears and axes faced outward, not knowing what to expect, but ready for just about anything. A few moments later a section of wall came crashing down and a troll and a man tumbled end over end through it but it wasn't a man it was one of the fabled sky warriors clad in his armor a dark ocean blue with the symbol of the wolf on his shoulder plates once the creature and the space wolf stood it appeared to Tora as though they were of near similar height both were growling at each other The claws on each of them were gleaming in the sunlight. Then, two hulking wolves came through the hole in the wall, flanking the space wolf, growling menacingly at the troll. The troll's back was to the tribe's men. The sky warrior had locked eyes with the troll, keeping its attention focused on him. The wolves, huge beasts with silver gray fur and sharp teeth, started moving to the creature's sides, flanking it. That made it so that the troll was completely surrounded. Tora, both angry and a touch scared, knelt and grabbed her spear. Gritting her teeth, she ran forward. Not crying out or yelling, she lifted and then plunged her spear deep into the back of the troll's knees. It screamed out loud as the sharp iron spear penetrated its joint. Roaring loudly into the sky, the wolves took advantage and leapt at the troll, latching onto its arms, while the sky warrior charged forward. He plunged his claws deep into the troll's abdomen and ripped upwards. The roaring of the troll died as its entrails spilled onto the ground, filling the air with steam and bile. As the tribe gathered around the now-dead troll, Tora walked over to the Sky Warrior. He looked down at her and nodded. That was a good hit, young warrior. She shook her head, looking at the now-dead beast. I'm no warrior. I was only helping. He smiled, kneeling down so he could look her directly into the eyes. Fenris does not breed weak people. Whether you know it or not, you are a warrior born. He nodded to her, stood, turned, and then left. Calling to his wolves to follow him, disappearing back into the tundra. As the tribe began to rebuild the destroyed section of Wall, Tora started to help. This was not an easy task. They were accustomed to life on their world. Change happens, but this change did not result in the loss of a tribesman, so they were very grateful. After the repairs were complete, Tora went in search of her sister, Alsvid. She had just returned from a hunting trip with the first group of hunters. A short time later, Tora came up on her sister, practicing with her spear. Smiling to herself, she waited until she was done with her drills. Slightly out of breath, Alsvid looked up and saw Tora, waiting for her. She waved at her sister and walked over. Giving a small fist bump, they headed over to a small table that Alsvid had set aside. So I heard we had a visitor this morning. Alsvid looked at her sister as she took a drink of water. Yah, it shook up the boredom of the day, but there was more than one guest. Elsved looked at her sister shrugging, and she set her spear down, grabbing her short swords. She tossed one to her sister. They both headed to the practice area. Sky warrior, sky warrior, Toro responded. Assuming their fighting stance, they smiled and then charged at each other, yelling their battle cries. As night fell, Valdermani climbed the
2: vault of the sky. Brunhilde woke, shaking off the sleep that had comforted her. She sat up onto her furs and pulled out her rune stones, tossing them into the pelts in front of her. She read them. Once they landed before her, seeing what they said, she nodded grimly to herself. She stood and headed out towards the Jarl's hut. The candles inside were spaced evenly along the various walls, lit the chamber with a soft glow. Boldly she entered the hut. The Jarl was sitting on his throne, deep in thought. He looked up slowly and saw her approaching, rising his head, Fully, he regarded her purpose. What brings you here, Siris? The stones say that we are in for a change. Mighty Elvar, great trouble is upon us. We must prepare the tribe. The Jarl took in her words and nodded. Do the stones say how much time? They do not, she responded, but I feel it will be soon. Taking in the seriousness of her demeanor, he rose from the throne and began to make preparations in his hut. He went and awoke his two daughters. Twins with hair the color of rage, and eyes the blue of the world seas, Brenda and Brina, they look up sleepily as their father. What is the matter, Papa? Brina asked. The Sirius has brought me grave news. We must prepare the hut and then the village. The twins heard the importance in their father's voice. They arose from their beds quickly and began to make ready, grabbing the important items they would need. Weapons, food, spare clothes... They made their way to their father in the front of the hall. The Jarl looked up and saw his daughters approaching him. He nodded and then headed out. Brunhild was outside the hall waiting for them. Almost as soon as the Jarl stepped out out of his hall, he caught a foul scent in the air. Brunhild shook her head as she saw his response. Trolls, she said. It was the beast's migrating time. The foul odor carried along on the wind currents. Alert the tribe, Elvar said. Let them all know to make ready to move. The young maidens and the seers nodded. They spread out into the community and alerted their tribe mates. Going to each hut, they awoke their people, as swift as the wind. They moved, unfortunately. It was too late. The ground began to tremble beneath them. Everyone paused. It was too soon for the melting season. The twins looked at each other in shock. There was a sound of thunder in the air. The twins looked to the south as a huge herd of mammoths trampled through the walls. They were running as though afraid. The huge beasts tore through the walls as though they were made of paper, their long trunks trumpeting loudly into the night. Their tusks pierced the walls of the huts, skewing some of their tribefolk like huge lances. Other members managed to get out of the way. Few were trampled under the beasts' huge feet. The twins barely managed to get out of the way of the huge animals. As the last of the mammoths passed through, they looked in the direction to see where they came from, relieved that they made it, but wondered what could have frightened them, such massive creatures they were. Then they saw it, long black tendrils erupting from the ice, followed by another and another. Brenna's eyes widened to see, shouted as loud as she could Kraken. The survivors turned in the direction of the shouting, seeing the tendril slashing back and forth, those that were able to get up and ran. Some stayed, looking for their weapons. The twins helped each other up and ran, looking for their father. Elvar was next to Brunhild when the mammoths came crashing through the village. He managed to push her to safety seconds before he was knocked away and trampled. Brunhild looked in horror and recollected herself. She heard Kraken yelled by Brina. A few heads away and ran in search of the twins. sagittarius
3: was at her favorite fishing hole. Her luck was better than any other spot on the island. She looked at her left at her cache, two good-sized ripper fish. That was more than enough to feed her family for at least a week, but she needed one more to make her trip worth it. As she sat on her bone stool, she thought about the different ways she could prepare the meat— there wasn't much salt left in the hut, so she would need to be creative with the dishes. She also thought of her brothers, Askir and Helgi. She missed them and couldn't wait to go home with her catch. They would tease her playfully, but such was their way, and she didn't mind. While she was lost in thought, her fishing rod began to tug. Suddenly, it yanked out of her daydream by the violent pull on her pole. This was stronger than the last two times she had caught her prey, planting her feet on both sides of the hole. With her muscles in her legs tensed, they became as rigid as centuries-old ice. Her biceps swelled as joy took over her with the realization this was going to be the biggest one yet. A predatory smile played across her lips as the fight began. The beast swayed back and forth in the water. Sagatis moved when the line slackened. She reeled it in. When it tightened, she moved with it. When the opportunity struck, she pulled hard. The ripperfish erupted out of the ice hole. The edges came away in a shower, for it was huge. It landed hard on the ice, its tail swishing back and forth. Sagadus fell on her ass, laughing with joy at the sight of it. My luck here is really good, she thought to herself. As her laughter finished, she stood up. The ripperfish was still too dangerous to approach too closely. She walked over to her spear, and after picking it up, she headed back to the fish. Standing a good, safe distance away, she lifted the spear over her head with a smirk. She thrusted it deep into the fish, piercing its lungs thoroughly. The tip had come out the other side. Once the fish was done moving, she pulled it out and flicked the spear, spraying the fish's blood on the ice. She slid the spear into its holster on her back. She knelt and grabbed the bigger of the three ripper fish, hefting it up. She rested it on her shoulder. Once it was secure, she then headed to the other two ripper fish and placed them on her right. When she saw that the weight was evenly balanced, she stood and began to head back to her hut. Overjoyed with her haul, she headed back to her hut, whistling
0: her family's favorite tune. I already have questions. I want to know what a ripper fish is.
1: <laughs>
0: he's doing the thing where he's like leaving little bits where I'm like, I want to know what that is. Tora and Osbid had joined the small group of hunters
1: in the hunter's hut. The floor of the hut was covered in the pelts of the mammoths from previous hunts. There were mammoth tusks along the wall like support beams, keeping the skin walls in place. In the center of the metal basin, they filled up with a small fire, its heat radiating through the room, warming the hunting party just enough to take the chill out of the air. The leader of the hunters, a seasoned man, who had the pelts and scars to show not only did he survive his hunts, he was willing to do what it took to get his people home. He looked over those and gathered and explained to everybody that with this hunt, they will be going after an ice worm. They had found traces of the creature a few days prior to the previous hunt. It was too close to the village and everybody would be in danger if they continued to live. The hunters began to murmur among themselves. It was said that only the Sky Warriors could bring down a full-grown ice worm, so they understood how important it was to get the creature while they were able to. Alzvid, who had been a few hunts already, placed a hand on Tor's shoulder. Looks like this is going to be a fun time, little sister. Tora looked over at Osvid. I am looking forward to this hunt, she replied. Smiling eagerly to her older sibling, the leader of the hunters resumed, explaining the dangers of the hunting of an ice worm, how it moves through the ice and how silent it is, but also how hungry it can get. He stated that he didn't want to come back without anyone, so they better not die. Each of the hunters let his words sink in, Seven of them, strong men and women of Fenris, along with Tora and Alsvid. They stood with their backs to the skin wall, the fire in the center giving the room its light. One of them started thumping the end of his spear into the ground. After a few moments, more joined. Before they knew it, Alsvid and Tora joined them. The thumping had become one sound, a small thunderous noise in the hut. At its crescendo, they all let out a roar. It vibrated along the walls and back at them being absorbed into the furs that were more. The ritual felt good and right in the small hunting band. Once the ritual was completed, the hunters filled their pouches with the tools they needed, ointments and rare herbs used for healing, more rope to secure the worm if it is possible. Some even placed hunting and carving knives into their belts. After checking each other's gear, they touched forehead to forehead, a small gesture of togetherness. Their leader headed out of the hut, the wind greeting him as he exited. Each member of the hunting party followed closely after him. The girls came out last, taking up the rear. They were each garbed in furs and leathers to fight off the wind that was blowing hard outside. With their spears in hand, they made their way to the spot that the leader had seen the creature. It took them three rotations of the sun to get to the spot where the worm was dwelling. The leader raised his hand, signaling for the party to stop. He pointed his spear to the creature where the creature lay. Its breathing was slow and steady a sign it was slumbering deeply upon the ice. Following his silent orders, the hunters spread out around the creature. Carefully, they approached it, so it didn't awaken. Tora got the closest, marveling at the size of the creature. She looked about the area, wondering where her sister had moved to. Seeing the other hunters spread out around the worm, she quickly and silently moved into her position. Alsvid's position was close to the worm's neck area. Looking to where the hunter leader was, she readied her spear. The tip of it aimed right in between the scales, hoping her counterpart on the other side had the same position. The hunter, close to her side, was in the kneeling position, ready for the worm, ready for when the worm would lift its head, so that they can charge underneath for a stabbing strike. The other two hunters flanked the leader. All three were crouched. Their spear tips aimed high so that with any luck when the creature falls, it would fall into their weapons. Just as they were about to strike, they heard the roar behind them. The leader quickly turned to see a Fenrisian bear charging behind them. At this moment, the worm awoke and started to rise. Moving quickly, Allsvid and the other hunters took advantage and charged. Their spears punched the scales on either side of the worm's neck. It bellowed loudly in pain. As it did, the other two hunters charged in and their spears punctured the worm's underside. The leader and the two hunters with him scattered, making their way towards the others as the bear continued its charge. The dreaded beast tackled the worm, hitting it full force, its sharp fangs piercing the worm's side. The hunters dove out of the way just in time. Alsvid lifted her head out of the snow and looked. Seeing the two beasts rolling around hard, the bear and the bigger of the two lifted the worm over its head and threw it. Yet, as soon as the worm hit the snow, it recovered and charged back at the bear, ignoring the spears hanging from its body. Alsvid looked about, seeing the other hunters recover. The leader was already standing and looking at the carnage the two creatures were creating. The hunters had gathered around the leader. Alzvid and Tora looked at him, then back at the two beasts. Is this normal? Tora asked her sister. I have only heard of ice bears. I've never seen one. Alzvid shook her head. They are rare in this region, Fenris. This should not have happened.
0: One of the things that I think is fucking great about the story noir is that you leave a bunch of little pieces that I want to know more about. Admittedly, I'm not really good with contemporary space wolf lore. I'm a little bit better with 30 K space wolf lore, but um, I want to know more about the worm. I want to know more about the ripper fish. Uh, I want to know more about the melting. And you know, I, well, I know what you're referring to. I want to know more about the customs of everything. I think there's a lot of good, hints here to a much deeper, much wider story. I'm, I'm definitely, I love it. I definitely want to hear and see more.
3: I'm specifically curious how a, a, a ripper fish has lungs. <laughs>
0: well, fish do, don't fish have lungs?
3: Eels. Negative ghostwriter.
0: Eels. That's right. Eels. They process it through there.
3: Yeah. There, I, there I, is a lung fish. Does it but have that is, that is unique. <laughs> that is, that is, it's, uh, yeah, that is, it does have lungs. You don't, know, you don't know what that ripper a, fish
2: is, that ripper fish is breathing? Not to be confused with a catfish or a dogfish. Or a monkey
1: Wren, fish, or a peanut or butter jellyfish. Peanut butter jellyfish, <laughs>
3: the most delicious of fish. <laughs> the most
2: delicious of fish.
1: I got the good story, and I hope I didn't butcher it. <laughs> I do. Uh, I
2: I obviously have read this like seventeen times because you know I'm, I'm Nora's buddy. So plenty of times at Renfair, he's been like, "Read this now. Read this now." You know. <laughs> um, I, I just like the point of view. I love that it's told from a point of view of like a person who refers to them as Sky Warriors instead of Space Marines. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like somebody cool. who doesn't know of yeah. all, Lord. The, all like the lore. The only sentence that said space wolf was actually revert, referring to the wolf, mm. not the space marine. Mm-hmm. Like the one space marine is a sky warrior. Right. You know, which I'm like, that's dope as shit. Like I just I like, like the, the nod of
1: space that. wolf though. Mm? I like the nod of space wolf referring to the space wolf but mm-hmm. i mean they yeah. could have called it a you know a Fenrisian wolf or something you know right I mean? so yeah. like
2: they're, yeah they're but right. i like that he's like it's just it's literally like a space wolf space marine attacking a troll
0: with dogs you know yeah. and he's just yeah. like hey
2: thanks for the help like <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> yeah and she kind of like sneaks up on it and gets it and i like that it's not i like that it's like she, her spur of the moment idea to attack it it's not Like she, she keeps all of her training obviously in mind because she doesn't scream or like make a big fuss about it. But she's also not finding the perfect time to strike. She basically cripples it so he can do his job.
2: Well, and he avoids like no, in writing it he avoids like the the standard trope of like where the characters are like most badass things. Well, the the most badass, but like the the like cocky, you know, like Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of times I found in a lot of writing where. They make predominantly the female characters mm-hmm. where they're like overtly like confrontational mm-hmm. in the sense of being like, Well, what did you expect? You know what I mean? Like something along those lines, or like even just characters in general, you know, having a hero character or a main character stab somewhat in the leg. You know, and then the space marine's like, "Well done," and then the the character's like, "Well, of course." You know
0: what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. like
2: not making the character like that. Like she's like like the character's just like,
0: "Well, yeah, I was just helping." Mm. You know, like I did. Like It seemed it seemed like the thing to do. I hope it helped. Yeah, rather than like I knew the type, the perfect time to strike.
2: Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I- instead of making it like overtly, like okay, dude, calm down. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, that's it's it's a light touch in a good way. I like that all the
3: names were very from like in Norse. All the names were very culture related. Oh yeah, yeah. No, rather than just trying to adapt normal names into it, he went and pulled very cultural based names and used those.
2: Yeah, no, he definitely he knows his it's his shit when it comes good. to that. I like Brynhild. That's my favorite one.
3: I actually Brynhild. really like that name. Yeah. For yeah. some reason, I don't know why. It doesn't I, flow super great, but I think it's a nice name. Reminds me of Django.
2: Well, yeah, it's it's right. based off the same. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not, but it's not Brunhilde. It's Brunhild. You know, that's, yeah, it's, it's more. It's the shortened version. Well, yeah. The it's nor more realistic version. Yeah. The more,
0: yeah, the more, um, what that's, do you call it? Natural. That's what I was wondering. Cause like I would think Brunhilde. Brunhilda. Brunhilde. Yeah. yeah. I like that you knew. Did he tell you? Did he give what? you insight into how it was pronounced or is that just something you knew? Uh,
2: both. Okay. There's a couple of them that I knew, but also, like, I... Heard, well, I mean, there's there's ways that I know to pronounce that, but I've also heard him pronounce it, like, in gotcha. actually speaking. So, I mean, maybe I'm still wrong. I was more or less just kind of reading at that point. I wasn't
0: thinking about how he said it. I was just more or less just kind of reading it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I mean, like, I, I would have... I was taken back enough because I'm like, I want to say Brunhilde, but I feel like it's not because it's not spelled the way that I thought it would be. Yeah. Brunhilde. So. Right, Brun- yeah. Brunhilde. <laughs> All right. I think... We are good. On the second chunk, gents, I went ahead and highlighted all of what I think are the back and forths. So if you guys just want to read the highlighted text. What color am I? I I just alternated the color. So in, in the case of this first chunk where there's two different people talking back to each other, uh, there's, okay. there's two, so there's two people characters. Interacting. There's just two people. And then there's a chunk where there's three colors that are all related. And I try to do it related. So it's it's yellow, yellow, orange. It's yellow, pale, yellow, orange, green, green. You guys can figure out how you want to split it up. This is Iqbar's lore. Iqbar did not send us a title. So, but he did specifically request that Tom read a particular A when we get there. A large ship hovers in space, tracked within the orbit of a planet. Its rugged yet memorable features do little to warm the heart of the chapter master of the Celestial Lions. Former Captain, goddamn you, Nick. Nabunti. <laughs> Nabunti. Nabunti? Okay. Nabuntai. Nabuti. Former Captain Nabuntai looked down from his office and fortress monastery for the last three years onto his home planet, Elysian 4. Uh, I'm sorry, Elysian IX. 9. 9? 9. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> four, nine, four, nine. Yeah, Elysian, four would be a one nine v. yeah i know i don't know why my brain did that his thoughts wandered to his new recruits waiting for him down on the planet concerns grow as his thoughts go over the now 900 families who his former chapter master ike dabuku swore to protect and led like they were his own family the same ikni Dabuku, who is killed while he and his remaining 95 brothers fled the Third War of Armageddon under the protection of their brother chapter, the Black Templars, led by the noble High Marshal Helbrecht. Is that a named character, Ikni Dabuku? Am I screwing that up somehow? I don't think so. Not Sorry. that I'm aware of. I would right. say that it's Ikin. Ikin Dubahu. Dubu. The Baku. I-
2: That's how I would pronounce it. Ekin, Ekin Baku.
0: Yeah, I got to put more like, yeah. like noble into it because it's a space marine, right?
3: Not even that. That's just the way it's spelled.
0: All I was well, saying, I was E-K-E-N-E. saying E K E N E. I was saying both of those words with different emphases, emphasizes, emphases. emphases.
1: It's kind of like E K N E. E K N E Dubaku.
0: Du- ba- du- Dubaku. Da- du- du- yeah,
3: it's an A in the middle, not a not a dubu boo you were you were putting ba. o's where the a is yeah i guess that's true i was i was Prince, turning the a into Prince a
0: double o a <laughs> because you would in, in a b a k you would turn it into an O sound but yeah i got you well
3: it would be baku but it wouldn't be buku Well,
0: yeah but that buku ba- sure. buku bucks. i i get where you're coming from if i was yeah. if i'm thinking from a different language than germanic yes I see the Japanese that you're putting on that word in your probably
3: right. <laughs> Isolate it. Oh, yeah. You wow. Guys, you Isolate guys it. forget that I can do a, a, a pretty pretty, a, pretty yeah. impressive that's offensive just Japanese voice. <laughs> yeah, that's just funny. That was physically
2: good physically that, <laughs> that, t- that took me off guard there <laughs> All right. I, at least i got i got i got help uh, wrecked right that, that makes me think of fucking Tenshu. you remember that game <sighs> oh please tell me you played Tenshu. come yes. on. i'm trying to remember yeah, oh I remember man i ninja watched Tenshi. Nin- ninja game anyway okay. yep. sorry <laughs> <laughs> Physically
0: wounded and spiritually broken, their century-long fight for honor and respect had nearly left him and his people fully annihilated, practicing what the sons of Dorne imparted into them. These values held strongest by the former chapter master Dabaku before he was killed in his own den. Like the men who preceded him, Nabuti, Nabuntai? What the fuck did we decide we were saying? Nabuttu? Nabuntai? Nabuntai, Nabuntai. Like the men who preceded okay. him, Nabuntai was made chapter master of what remains of the once glorious celestial lions. Helbrecht was not going to let the same mistakes happen twice and given special guards from his most esteemed veterans and a new ship. Blessed by the saints of the God Emperor and christened Pride Reborn from one of the many vessels that the High Marshal Helbrecht commanded as a gift to the rebuilding of the new chapter. Yes, Kevin. Oh no! I was. just... Oh, I thought you were trying to get my attention. Emphasizing <laughs> pride reborn. Ah, yes, pride Hel- reborn. Helbrecht.
1: Helbrecht, such a such a cool word to say. Helbrecht,
0: Helbrecht
2: is a badass. Oh, is that an actual person? Is a name? Yes. Yeah,
0: he's yeah. the dude. He's the dude who has the new model where there's a dude like polishing the Black his Templar sword. with uh, the two uh, with the two slaves He's, the, ah, polishing well,
1: his sword. he's got the gravelly voice.
0: I God mean, damn it, I'm here. My name is High Marshal Helbricht. <laughs>
3: I'm here.
2: Come kill me.
0: <laughs> I
3: get to the, get
0: to
1: the pride reborn. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I always viewed Helbricht as having a more nasally voice, because I think that's how he's described in the books.
1: Oh yeah? In the okay. in the
3: videos. Like, Steal my thunder. I'm a High Marshal yeah.
0: Helbricht. <laughs> Ick, your story is good. We're just delirious. <laughs>
3: it's we're running out of caffeine
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i lost
2: my five hour on my way here i'm all fuck the
0: gracious high master didn't stop there however he promised additional support to get the celestial lions to their home planet for rebuilding by lending aid from the Reclesiarch Grimaldus. Grimaldus would wait until either the chapter was rebuilt to full strength, the Celestial Lions were able to remove the presence of the Inquisition from their ranks, or potentially have a new alliance, who would be able to aid them and allow Grimaldus to return to his crusade. The next year was relatively uneventful, as Nibunti was officialized and formally recognized as the new chapter master he would never let his other men know but Nibunti found out that the previous message that was sent confirming inke debaku as chapter master hadn't been finalized due to how recent his slaying was this was a burden his people did not need for their already aching hearts A familiar voice echoed behind his door, one of his subordinates, a recently promoted lieutenant that was once a simple scout from a chapter during the early days of the Wars of Armageddon. A small smile grew on Nabunti's face. My, how far two have come now, he thinks idly. Enter, brother. Nabunti's thick accent of their home rang through, formal but not stern, such is the way of a chapter master these days. A man with a slimmer build entered the room. His emerald eyes were the first thing most brothers notice, as the light from his bald head shone, illuminating his otherwise earthy skin tone.
2: I have received news from Lethian Nine that the new recruits are ready to learn what it means to become a lion.
0: Derny was often a troublemaker in the early days, so much that most people, including his sergeant, referred to him as chinked Chunkt. Otherwise known as Troublemaker in their native tongue. Very good, brother. We ought to consider at this point what is a celestial lion, anyways?
2: So much has changed in the last 30 years. So many ideals and assumptions torn asunder while. We. Oh, sorry, hold on. <laughs> I corrected myself in the accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, literally, I, literally, I literally was like, oh, sorry. Okay. Let, me just re- let me reread that whole section. Yeah, because it like skips a page or jumps down a page. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, there's more. Very good, brother. We ought to consider at this point what is a celestial lion anyways. So much has changed in the last 30 years. So many ideals and assumptions torn asunder while we were none the wiser.
0: The warm smile fell away from Nabutu's features as he spent a moment to consider his next words.
2: There is much reflection to be had. Are we to learn alongside them? Will they learn the travesties that happen to
0: our fellow brothers? Doreen smiled that same smile that got him whenever he earned his nickname.
2: They will learn soon enough. We are a sign of hope for those who aren't blessed by the God Emperor's gifts. At the very least, a joint training exercise would be appreciated. So many of them adjusting to their gene seed, they won't know the
0: amazing powers they've unlocked. Dabunti had considered his words and saw the wisdom in them. To destroy the fire in their chests and crush their hope before they learned what it truly meant to be a brother in the fold would spell disaster for the chapter.
2: You're right, Doreen. Who knows? These new recruits may not only bolster
0: our numbers, but heal our spirits. It was a day of great rejoicing, Spiritwalker Carinia enjoying the beating sun reaching its apex as he witnessed a sea of fellow brothers, all from local villages, taken to be trained and to become brothers. None had any doubt in their hearts to which chapter they belonged to, for any brother born in the soils of Elysian Nine were destined to be celestial lions. He and countless others stood at attention as several smaller craft were making their departure from the flagship of the chapter. Their new chapter, my brother's return home, he mused eternally. The vacant spot next to him was filled with a familiar, if ever grouchy figure of his childhood friend, the new apothecary, Mizone.
2: Mizono. Yeah, Mizono. Mizono. Hold on. So he and countless others stood at attention in several smaller craft. Is that a quote? My brother's return
0: home? That was that internally. was internally. So he said that in his mind. So my brothers return home, he mused eternally. Okay. So, so are
2: these are these green ones are these two different people?
0: Yep. Yeah, they're two different people.
2: Are they both Space Marines? Uh they are I think both. That, I think they're aspirants. all space marines. These That's are cool. both This is an aspirants. apothecary.
1: This is an apothecary. Okay. Do
2: you mm-hmm. want me to read all the space marine stuff or do you want to? Uh,
1: I was I bet
0: bounce back and uh, I I would do yeah. it. I mean it's up to you. Yeah. You do great with two different voices, but um if if you want to read, I would like to read. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Somebody read for Corin yeah and somebody read for Miss Zoa, Miss Miss Zo- No Miss No Ms. No. Okay, no. Kevin, and Mark, you guys can take over.
1: Uh, I want to be the apothecary.
0: So, Kevin, bold be bold day to be late. How how offensive should
3: I make this accent? Uh,
0: uh, and then Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, are you are you I'm reading? Grouchy.
2: Are you reading the rest? They're reading the quotes. They're just reading yeah. this stuff highlighted. I'm reading okay, the rest.
0: Okay, got it. Jam four.
2: So, let
3: you can be part corin- that's actually yeah, a question yeah, I
0: have. Are the Celestial Lions and and so guys in the future, if you would like to contact us in a voice chat and let us know how to read some of the names, that'd be great because I I have a tendency to look at everything from a Germanic base because my base language is Germanic in nature. I have a feeling some of these things are actually supposed to be read with an Asian accent and are not an Asian accent. Or you can kind of do what they did. I
3: actually feel like these are supposed to have some African accent on them.
0: Yeah, I feel that too.
1: Actually, yeah. or, or you can know. just do what Noir did and put the name down and the pronunciation. <laughs> did
0: he do that? Mm-hmm.
1: No, he didn't. But I'm just saying that you can do like list the the names of the characters and give a pronunciation. Oh yeah, and then and then give us. A and pronunciation. if you want to say like whether it's a space marine or a person or a fucking yeah. squat.
0: And I do this too, from a creative writing standpoint. I totally come up with a name in my head, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna fucking. This sounds amazing." And then I type it out, and then the first person that reads it fucking butchers butchers it. it. It's me. It's me. Three weeks later, leading reading it aloud to you guys, being like, "Ah, it sounds so cool in my head," and then like, "Oh God," you say it out loud, you're like, "Oh, that didn't come off." As (laughs) Blastius, (laughs) As
2: Blastius, like I meant it as to say his name was Dane, not Dane.
0: All right, so you you are you are on the spot, Kev. Read that bright green text.
3: Yeah, nobody answered me with how offensive. Should I go with You Probably. probably space
2: marine. Just <laughs> tend to be a
0: this. space marine. Be your space marine, brother. Get ready for role play.
2: Oh. oh. <laughs>
0: you guys, Tom's going to be Tom's going to be like, "Brother, the door is locked." And Mark's going to be like, "Oh, we'll all get the plasma rifle." And then Kevin will be like, "Oh, oh guys, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here with the healing stuff." And you guys will both be like, "That's your Space Marine voice." <laughs> I'm I have you I, I view
2: Kevin as like Scanlin from X-Men. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry
0: Kevin, I'm just fucking with you. All right, the well, vacant... isn't
3: this also a girl? No, it's
0: a dude. Oh, that's okay. why, no, that's Karin- why I Kar- thought it was... Corinna's Kar- a dude. That's why I read I thought- it as Corinna, because I thought it was like an inquisitor. It's Corinna. Oh, okay. Ya. The vacant spot next to him was filled with the familiar, if ever grouchy figure of his childhood friend, the new apothecary, Mizino. Bold day to be late, esteemed lifebender. Corinna chided, holding in a chuckle.
1: Another word from you, and I will make you truly walk with the spirits,
0: brother. Mizinia grunted. He was a foot taller than Corinna, and would use every inch to leverage that against him. But they both knew those threats made between them were the harmless hellos between friends. Mizuno's baggy brown eyes looked into the energetic and sparkling hazel eyes of Corinna.
1: I know what you're thinking. Yes, I ignored your advice. And yes, I overindulged in your celebration as before you asked. No, I
0: don't regret a damn second. Mizuno finally smiled as he was seemingly able to read his friend's mind as he and Carinia grasped each other in rejoicement. Many of the other soldiers were in similar situations as brothers and families from various tribes, villages, and cities came together as the new roster of lions was being pulled. Exceeding beyond any expectations the elders hoped for, the new and untested primaris method went with a 0% mortality rate unheard of for many previous foundings or resupplies. Spirits ran high as each brother worked together to the point of being one cohesive unit. Every individual no longer had a last name and had given up their past lives, but instead they had gained a new family of brothers. As for today, this was the day many men would give up their lives for the emperor and make their new chapter proud to have such talented young men. While Karinya was ecstatic to join his brothers-in-arms, Mizuno had several concerning questions locked away in the back of his mind. The biggest one would be why didn't the officials of Terra come, but instead their lifelong friends, the Emperor's Spears, in the shadow of the night. The barge started its way down as the ceremonial music began to play. The ship landed and the doors began to open as the music reached its crescendo. The two brothers' smiles were quickly replaced with confusion and concern. Red lights flashed as the hull was losing its remaining integrity. Many Marines, clad in their yellow power armor, adorned with a heart for their symbol, moved around frantically, trying to keep the vessel from reaching its untimely end while they were traveling as close to the planet as they could find. I think these are all naval ratings.
3: Yeah, I was about to say these sound like they're all lines for me. Gellerfield's awakening, sir. Decks 78
2: through 95 have
0: been infested.
2: Send in the vanguard, top-down. Their swords shall do nicely.
0: Malachim Foros, chapter master of the Lamenters, was at the helm of his now-dying Madder Lacrimarum, their battle barge fortress monastery. While they were making headway to Baal, they found another hive fleet making its way to their holy land. Unfortunately, however, As they peeled the Hive fleet away, they sustained great damage from the boarding action to their Geller fields as they entered the warp. An unacceptable fate that was deemed preventable by the Lamenters. With a quick message, they prayed to the God Emperor who had sent Dante of the Blood Angels, chapter master of their home chapter, to let him know of their attempt to prevent a second wave infestation from their dearly beloved planet. While the vanguard
2: works top-down, send the terminators from the bottom to the top
0: to clear out any demonic routes. Malakim's eyes flickered to various stations, seeing the nexus of his ship acting as the neurons of a sick body fighting off whatever ails them, giving orders to deal with the appropriate cure for their blights.
3: New reports coming in from Cargo Bay 7, directly below Deck 78. A great unclean one has
0: emerged. Speaking of illness infesting the ship... Malachim thought to himself, his eyes began to turn. He barely utters a whisper, a whisper that rang through the deafening silence of the bridge. READY THE DEATH COMPANY! He uttered as he stood, no longer seeing with his eyes, but now transfixed as if he had walked the halls of death before. His eyes turned to see himself transposed in the view of his traitor brother, the man who burned the Imperium to ash, the man who would kill him in front of his father. Malcolm was dashing madly towards the closest elevator shaft, moving at breakneck speed as he redded his catechist and the glaive of lamentation. He would do everything in his power to prevent his death, to save his brothers. He and his kin will destroy Horace Lupercal. So be Sanguinius's edict. Meeting with several of his brothers who had fallen in similar fate, they meet with each other, creating a great surge of energy, riling the group of doomed men into a bloody frenzy. Ten men marked in their ritualistic black paints with red crosses spanning their power armor. Standing amongst them, however, was Malekin in his golden armor rallying them all. Bonding in an instant with the tragedy, they are cursed to play out time and time again. From a distance, several crewmen looked on nervously as these armored giants, already gods amongst men, were yelling and screaming, amplified by the helmets to near head-splitting levels. The two men went back to their duties with grave concern. If they were smart enough, they could avoid this fight entirely.
1: What about opening the airlocks? We could shoot them into space,
0: Chief Engineer Brimsley asked his subordinate.
1: Could work. The grav
3: would hold the vehicles, but we'd lose most of our ammo. Depending on where they're placed, the crates would be more than enough damage to hold integrity and would do more damage to us than help,
0: said Ensign Nikoski. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, well played.
0: Well Very played. well played.
1: <laughs> Really? More than that in our hold?
0: As the two argued on what to do next, heavy footfalls were muffled by the chapter master and the death company completing their ritual, married to the blaring of the klaxons indicating a breach in the hold.
2: May I suggest you don't interfere with what's
0: about to unfold? Came the gentle yet overwhelming voice of Lamhart, the first company sergeant and veteran assault intercessor, otherwise known as the leader of Malachim's Chosen one of three Primaris battle units inducted into first company. The two men quickly stood at attention and saluted to the man who was several feet above them in stature, even without the aid of his power armor.
1: Sorry, my lord. I knew we weren't capable of winning the fight, but maybe we have made the field of combat to
0: your advantage. Engineer Brimsley stammered, <laughs> sorry, my lord, sounded so much like an orc, like an orc from Warcraft. It did.
3: Saw, I don't know what you sounded like. You sounded like the builders from Me? fucking Warcraft. Yeah, it was yeah fucking right? great.
2: Sorry, uh, my lord. Sorry, my lord. <laughs> I don't know where we went capable, but it was like, it was like almost <laughs> Arabic. Like, right. like.
1: I can't hold down an accent, so I just, I change the (laughs) pitch of my voice. You can do a
2: good electric accent, believe it it or not.
0: Lampart waited the words carefully and considered the options at their disposal. He took off his helm and took a knee to get a better view of those he was speaking to.
2: Chain of command directly prevents me from giving a contradictory order to what the chapter master states.
0: Lampart said as he looked at Malakim and his brethren moments away from charging. May I suggest
2: you turn off the gravity, but keep the blast doors sealed. Their armor will still work well
0: enough, and they will be magnetized to the floor. He said with minor urgency in his voice. The two humans went to work as lambhart donned his helmet, watching his chapter masters and remaining death company charged in.
1: lambhart
2: calling in. Remaining
0: chosen rendezvous outside Cargo Bay 7.
1: On it, sir. We will be there in five minutes
0: responded, his secondary and pupil Babish. Is that a Lam- space marine? Yep. No, that's a human. His Babish secondary and pu- pupil It says Babish. his
1: secondary and pupil.
0: Yeah, if he's talking to Lambert, <laughs> I would assume that that's another space marine. Yeah. Yeah. Babish, I think, is a human, though.
1: Alright, I'll, I'll redo it. Do you want to say it again, Tom, or you want me to just take it from the yeah, top? I yeah, to to, to, uh, yeah, either way.
2: Lambert's calling in. Remaining chosen rendezvous outside cargo
0: base 7. On it, sir. We'll be there in five minutes. Responded his secondary and pupil, Babish. Lampart, now looking onto the brave warriors inside the cargo bay, noticed filth growing inside and growing at an alarming rate. Lock down all entrances and exits now. Lambert shouted. Before it's too late. The two began punching in codes into the entry desk, and several thick plates of metal slammed shut in an instant. What,
1: what, what's happening, my lord?
0: Engineer Brimsley said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was good. More wood.
1: <laughs> it was perfect. No, it was fucking perfect.
0: I can't stop. What, what's happening <laughs> It's so I fucking can't. great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna take it. I'm, I'm gonna sorry. take it. <laughs> Engineer Brimley said, "All forms of restraint lost as hope was dying on the man's next words." Uh,
1: are no men standing so soon?
0: <laughs> You you are the best. You are the best. Like peasant naval rating ever.
2: That one sounded African.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that you, you same forgot, pitch. You forgot left. Are no men left standing? You just said are oh, no men
0: standing? <laughs> they're all sitting down. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> up to you, man. Yeah, yeah. Do yours again, and then Tom can roll off of you.
2: Uh, are
1: no men left standing? So soon.
2: No, they're fine, but the bright from the Greater Daemon was spreading, and we must contain it until the source is culled,
0: Lambert said as he became lost in thought while running scenarios in his head. The air systems, exclaimed Ensign Kosky as he shut off all the airflow going in and out of the cargo bay. A knot formed in his throat, and he couldn't swallow it down. The Ensign doomed hundreds of men to save thousands without thinking about the consequences for those inside nobody without a closed circulating air system would survive this fate a hand rested on the ensign's shoulder as he saw the same grave look on brimsley's face a simple nod as the three stood there watching the fight on the localized security system horus was a tall and imposing figure this was always known to Sanguinius. what he didn't remember was him being so wide horus laughed and talked in a cursed tongue which brewed flies over his now paladin toward power armor, his claw and hammer now replaced by a bell and his hand having these large flies slowly pulling their way out of his wounds. It did not matter, though. The swarms were no match against the catechist. Its flames roared to life as a swarm of bloated flies turned to cinders, leaving only a pitch-like residue. More bad news, however, as two more of his brothers were swarmed by what looked like swarms of smaller horaces but with horns and spindly legs sprouting what could be more described as chunks of forgotten clay lumpy and bulbous the remaining eight still charged ahead and leaped as their jump pack thrusters flung them headlong into the monstrosity that was horace lubricall their lightning claws dug in deep rending the armor and flesh away to find more diseased green ooze and black pitch as the other Sanguiniuses literally charged their way and cleaved into the body, something truly horrid came out. Five insects with, with carapace-like onyx and wings the size of war bikes jutted out of the gaping wound with one of Sanguiniuses in its maw. As he screamed in defiance, his head was swiftly crushed and devoured by its mandibles. The fate replayed a hundred times over in its multifaceted eyes. Sanguinius did not know the word defeat. Even as his death replayed in his mind, the fact that he was still standing, still breathing, meant he could change the fate just this once he would live. So whoever does this, this is Sanguinius's voice. It's got to be soft. He's a
1: blood angel. Yeah, I don't know, Ryan. Ryan, you probably do a a decent Sanguinius.
0: Okay. You traitor, how dare you show the presence of the dark gods to me? Sanguinius bellowed as he charged in with his glaive of lamentation. <laughs> that, that, I, as he bellowed, yeah. wish the most. <laughs> oh, dude,
1: he, dude, he's an angel.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry, that was
1: good. I, no, a, I liked it. Sang, I liked it. Sanguinius. <laughs> he he's it. an angel, bro. He's a, he's I think a, that was good. That, that's a bellow for an angel. <laughs> nah, that was just funny.
0: Sanguinius bellowed as he charged with his glaive of lamentation. He challenged his brother. Do not mock me by hiding behind pretty magics. Your mortality is nothing more than a candle forgotten on a desk, something that should have been snuffed out long ago. Sanguinius leapt. Something felt wrong. His jump pack roared to life, but he did not descend or move forward. He instead floated and rocketed into the ceiling. Writing himself now and standing on the ceiling, he saw Horus's wounds mend. A weird ichor now pulling his bloated body to the ground as he sneered and looked up at Sanguinius. A deafening bell chimed. Various corpses throughout the room began to reanimate, and shambling undead now began to float in various directions. What once was a simple fight was now a minefield of undead horaces. Using his jump pack, Sanguinius began to maneuver around almost like he were caught in a dance with his two weapons in a constant state of swinging, spinning, leaping, and screaming as he mowed through hordes of undead horaces. Suddenly and violently, he was pinned to part of the hull as large flies began snapping at his limbs and trying to pull him into various directions. However, Sanguinius's retort worked well enough as Prometheum was shot point blank into one of the bugs' faces. The helmet of a decapitated Sanguinius quickly burned bright hot. (laughs) I'm sorry, there's too many Sanguiniuses.
2: Yeah, I don't know what's happening here.
0: They're in the Black Ridge.
2: Oh,
3: they're
0: okay. reliving the that they're all reliving the last battle of Horus and Sanguineus, oh, okay.
3: and so they're they're seeing the these, great unclean one. These are Horus the
0: uh the yeah. as many these
1: are bonuses. the Death Company.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The helmet of the decapitated Sanguinius quickly burned bright hot, causing further tearing from the demons. Digestive tracts into its organs, searing it from the inside as its body was cooked inside out. Its legs and wings, wildly flailing before its death rattle, pulled its legs around itself, not unlike the insect it truly was. Not one to miss a chance, as Sanguinius began to feel his right arm begin to squeeze ever tighter. His now impromptu flaming club began to work as he started his jump pack again while beating the demon trying to remove his arm from his torso. Flying blindly into various crates on the ground, the bugs began to have their various appendages break, forcing a retreat from the Primarch as he dispatched the one who clung to dear life on his arm. As Sanguinius checked his surroundings, he could not help but notice the red light he was cascading in. It seems Sanguinius was woke from his slumber as a large frame began to move towards and address Sanguinius. I survived Horus twice now. May we survive him a third time together, the larger Sanguinius said as he walked towards the larger Horus. Very well, Sanguinius, Sanguinius said to Sanguinius as he nodded. Let us take him down once and for all. (sighs) was all the crew could hear from the panel as Malakim (laughs) pointed at the greater demon. (laughs) What would
3: have... (laughs) Uh, You
2: gotta get that like little wave going. uh, (laughs) uh,
0: What would have been otherwise graceful and measured fight, it seemed the fight was turning into a bloodbath of pure aggression. When the flying demons became involved, it seemed only to have gotten worse. As Malakim's chosen waited stalwart at any breach, the two remaining humans watched in a mixture of horror and fascination. Boss, my, my logs did not say there was a dreadnought stored here, Kosky said in a scared tone. Somehow the Death Company dreadnought looked as if it were ready to rip the chapter master's head off. <sighs> It said to the man encased in golden ceramite, his sounds reverberated off the airlock. After a moment's pause, Malikan seemed to have worked up a proper response.
2: Uh,
0: he said, stopping to nod and then run, and then run and keep pace with the dreadnought, almost repeating himself with another bellowing uh, <laughs> or seemed to relish the challenge. However coming. <laughs> I'm having one.
1: <laughs> oh my god. This is your fault, Icky. You made <laughs> read it. So now this <laughs> I hate I hate when it's
2: I have to emphasize so I don't.
0: <laughs> Horace seemed to relish the challenge. However, as Horace attempted to chime the bell again and summon more demonic curses, a crackling could be heard from inside his sternum. The three remaining death company with their thunderhammers burst out of Horus's ribs, and dozens of rotting Horuses were clinging ineffectively to their armor. Several resounding cracks broke through as the thunderhammers swung true, bisecting part of Horus's torus, cleaving the bell in his arm via blunt force trauma. Sanguinius and Sanguinius knew this was their moment one jumping high and reorienting themselves for a downward slam with the glaive, while the other used their magna grappling hook to pull themselves into the fight, rendering Horace's legs with his blood talons. All their efforts combined quickly, turning Horus into what would closely resemble rotted chunks of slab meat. Status update, Lambert said into the helmet comms. Situation in
2: the cargo bay neutralized. Roundup protocols will start up shortly.
0: As Lampart and the other Chosen were preparing themselves for containment of their brothers, caught in the black rage, they heard a sea of chittering as what looked like a river of scything talons and gnashing teeth began leaping from the lifts of the upper floors. The mood had turned somewhat somber. These fabled heroes who would test these new recruits to earn their food and fire had barely numbered in their 90s, leaving the recruits outnumbering them. In addition, their armor did not match theirs. While they had the dusty yellow armor of with blue accents, the people leaving the ships were in golden armor. One thing that could be seen even by those unable to see their faces, the people marching into the raised podium looked like they were moments away from holding a funeral rather than an initiation.
2: Is this a space marine? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think this is Lamhart. Uh, is it Lanhart? I
0: th- think Doesn't so. Doesn't
3: specify, but it's definitely a space marine. I think uh.
0: so. I think what happened was we read what was happening as the ship was descending. I think they defeated what whatever was happening, including it sounds like some tyranids. And now we're back to the, pl- the ship is landing, but instead of like hundreds of guys coming out of the ship to greet the new recruits, it's like 90 people. That's all that survived. Yeah. So this is probably whatever space Marine's generic space
3: Marine, generic welcome. Them. Space. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> welcome brothers. It warms my soul to know that the God emperor long may he reign has given us such youthful exuberance from these new members today. Shall be a day of great celebration. Tomorrow, however, we will see if you can earn your food and fire.
0: And with that simple announcement of a speech, he slowly walked down the ramparts with the other 95 to meet their new prospects. I'm guessing here, Ick, I'm following, it sounds like as they were landing, they got double punched by a great unclean one and a bunch of Tyranids, and they were able to take them out, and then they kind of so so they're they're landing and no, like it was the tyranids
3: first they it, they went they were out doing stuff. They baited some tyranids away from going into ball is what it sounded like, yeah, right, but it sounded was, it sounded like they then, were
0: still on the ship because it says their brothers right, caught well, they were on the, the ship the whole time what what I'm saying is is oh, they they okay, to
3: you. the ship the Gellerfield was damaged by the fight with the Tyranids right
2: oh and that's what allowed
3: the, and then uh, that's one. what allowed the, the and then afterwards and they're like clean all right one. cool we finished the tyranids let's go home and then they hit the warp and when they hit the warp they're like oh shit we didn't close the window and now there's bugs getting in
0: but when Malachim orders guys to attack from the top and from the bottom he specifically says guys going top down attack the tyranids that are loose on my ship guys going from the bottom up attack the demons and then when these dudes, when Malachim finishes the well, fight, well, yeah, there's probably some leftover. Yeah, they heard it. They heard a sea of chittering and saw what looked like a river of scything talons and gnashing teeth that began to leap from the lifts to the upper floors. Yeah. That was like the end of one part before it goes back to the ship landing. Yeah, I got
2: confused by Death Company. That, that. Yeah,
0: the yeah, Sanguinies. Yeah,
2: I was like, "What is happening?" It's <laughs> the Death
1: Company. That's all they see. I got is that what they see though? Yeah, like, is yeah. That, that's like they're reliving it. Yeah, they're reliving it. Horse. Yeah. Oh man,
2: that's fucked.
3: I mean,
1: that's it, why the Nurglings were like little horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird, dude. And <laughs> they look at each other, and I mean, they see that they're battle brothers, so they're like, "Oh, Sanguinius, Sanguinius." Mm-hmm. They're the they're sanguineous reliving it as Sanguinius.
3: Yeah. I mean, that might be a little more of a meme kind of joke that he put in there for a little bit of comedic flavor. It's yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I feel but like that reading is it, kind of definitely yeah. lore. I don't think they they're, see each other as sanguineous like I like if I was under it I would think I'm sanguineous which kind of makes you being sanguineous not possible yeah so but I
2: don't also think they you're would crazy at that, that point
1: yeah they they're honestly they wouldn't be looking at each other they know an enemy that is an enemy right and but other but, than that he would just be a battle brother right. Horus right
2: yeah yeah well, I mean I liked it Oh, it was, well, yeah, yeah, like, it was I, 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 I like that thought of it. It was just fine. Like, "sanguineous, sanguineous, sanguineous, sanguineous." Oh like, yeah, that's been but it just fucking killed my brain. <laughs> it's like I'm like of, I was like, of, what the uh, fuck am I
1: reading? <laughs> thanks, <laughs> like, my lord. Yeah, so.
0: My lord? So uh, sometimes on the eve of battle, an event or circumstance will trigger this genetic memory, and the battle brother's mind is suddenly wrenched into the distant past. The black rage overcomes the blood angel as the memories and consciousness of Sanguinius intrude upon his mind, and the dire events oh. of the ten thousand mm-hmm. Terran yeah, years so all flood into the present. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, we're talking about the mimi part, though, of like. Oh, I don't, oh, that, I don't th- think he, it specifically says, like, they see, see their it. battle brothers as sanguineous as well. He definitely, but
0: yeah. he definitely wrote it in a way where I was thinking of the the Mr. Meeseeks. Hi, Mr. Meeseeks. I'm Mr. Meeseeks. No, no, I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Hi, Mr. Meeseeks. From the fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Meeseeks episode. What the fuck is that show called? Rick and Morty. That one. <laughs> that, there's, that's there's, what it was making me think of.
2: There is some type of show I remember where, like, it's just a hundred of, like, the same dude. You know what it's, I mean? Um, it's, like, a. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, was.
0: Ick plays Lamenters,
1: a, so he probably knows. Yeah, and that's it, the
2: other thing too. Like, what the
1: hell are like? I know Lamenters aren't they a
2: me? I thought they were Meme Army. No, like, Lamenters. No, not real. at all. Lament, really? Lament, oh, no, I didn't know they were real.
0: They're they're real. Yeah. Lamenters and Celestial Lions were both involved with the uh, badass Wars. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know pretty, Celestial Lions, and I'm pretty sure one or both of them were almost entirely wiped out.
1: Yeah, Lamenters. Um, uh, at least I know for sure Lamenters. Uh, they're not entirely uh, wiped out, but they're pretty. Uh, Unlucky. Yeah.
0: It's it's being John Malkovich um, was the other thing that's made me think of Tommy. Maybe oh, man. That of? movie was when they, fucking weird. When they <laughs> call into Malkovich's, when they call Malkovich, into John Malkovich. Nah. <laughs> Malkovich. Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Malkovich. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> that was fun. There's mm-hmm. definitely, if I were to give you any feedback from a creative writing standpoint, I would say there's a couple of places where it's not entirely clear that we're switching scenes. Uh, yes, I, I got I it agree. a couple of lines in, but I liked it. It it read really well. It, it's our first piece of Space Marine lore, which is fucking badass. Hopefully both of you guys will continue to write. Yeah, please. From a constructive criticism standpoint, Noir, and, and I, you and I have already talked about this a little bit. Uh, there's just that tendency to either repeat uh, a word like the mammoths rip through the wall And then, and then you give the description of the mammoth strip through the wall like it was paper. Just like combine those two sentences. Mm -hmm. Very, very good story meat in both of these, and like super fucking is great. I I love reading this stuff. I wish I could write
2: where they have the conversations like they did. Like, I feel like a uh, uh, Noah's way of having conversations was really good.
1: Yeah. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. No, I, I
2: can't. I'm like, yeah. he, she said this and yeah. he said that. And she said that like, he proclaimed, he yeah, said, yeah. he yelled.
1: <laughs> the it's, trick it's... is not
3: repeating the same one over. and again. Yeah. Well, and right. that's
2: hard yeah. to do because then you end up like using ones that like don't make sense. Well, you know? you, the yeah.
3: thing is you also have to be familiar with how you use all the different yeah. ones. And if yeah. you don't use them in your daily dialect, then you're not going to use yeah. them properly.
0: That you also don't necessarily have to. So so you can well, say. Yeah, you don't have to change it up every time. It well, just not, helps. You also. Well, that's not really what I was getting at. You don't have to say, like he said. So you don't have to be like, in the beginning, there was only war, he said. You can yeah. say. You can just put
3: it in quotes and leave it alone. Yeah, if
2: it's or,
0: obvious that it's a yeah. character. Or you can be like, or like, uh, I'm going to use Gerald because it's what popped into my head. Geralt surveyed the landscape. Hmm. Fuck, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't have to be. He said, <laughs> "It is really funny how often he goes mm, and fuck in that show." Though <laughs> he does oh. it, he does it a
1: lot in the game too. <laughs> yeah, he does.
0: So yeah, it's uh, perfect. He fucking nails. The he really stuff. does. <laughs> so good. I I want I like I really like the other thing that I really like that I want to point out specifically from X. Is... It's like you said bulbous
1: and I dig it. <laughs> Use the word bulbous. <laughs>
0: um, he had a lot of like minor humans that were just, just happened to be trapped. I like that. Yeah. And same, honestly, same with Noir. I, I have a feeling that Noir is building this, this company of heroes. So we can see how the daughters of Fenris, they call the daughters of Fenris, the shield maidens of Fenris to see how the melt maidens of Venus are born like we're seeing their early years. Right, but again, yeah. it's that slice of life of like I'm next to a fucking demigod. And they they both I think both of you guys captured that really well. In in very different ways. Noir captured it with like don't freak out <laughs> kind of yeah, while don't, and then don't freak out. Yeah. Cool That's heads impressive. prevail. And yeah. then the other and then, in and then Ix. in X it's we are freaking out. <laughs> Oh fuck.
3: <laughs> just, just trying to help me, lord. <laughs> my lord. Get the fuck out lord. of my way. <laughs> <laughs> trying like, to help, my lord. <laughs> like we're we're not gonna kill them. We just <laughs> might make it easier for, for you to kill them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> my lord.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my lord. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. I, I hope I know why I cracked me up every time.
0: I hope you so. guys enjoyed how we read your stories. We definitely like doing the voices and switching back and forth. Um I, I am I'm serious. My brain just kind of defaults to basic germanic names like rob jeff mark daniel yeah i just say how it, how it looks i would I like try. to
3: formally request more eastern block names so i have excuse <laughs> to bring out this character <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you write a sanguineous more i i'll, I'll... <laughs> Also, what what don't, was the line? Don't again?
2: lie to don't lie to me. Sanguineous bellowed. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you sounded like a fucking South Park character. No, like. no,
1: dude, I, it was perfect because the way I think of it is like uh, in Castlevania, like the vampires, they're always like cool, calm, collected. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's why i was sitting so, here. St-
3: I figured he would
2: sound like fucking uh,
3: Alucard
1: yeah exactly yeah exactly. i was sitting here
2: but trying he to think in my head like yeah, yeah. like because i was like oh okay am i gonna read this space brain?" okay and i was like oh but primark and i was like how in the fuck would he speak like and i'm just trying to think the only thing i could think of was like tom cruise interview with a vampire yeah <laughs> you know what i mean He'd be like don't
0: lie to me <laughs> you know? I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's cool. that. that's actually pretty cool i would yeah i i definitely got that um that vampire 100d Castlevania. Yeah,
2: well, that's what he is. He's a vampire
0: daddy. Yeah.
1: And it's almost like you could read it in different voices because technically it's the... Multiple different, the different, yeah. I it's the different that uh, we have... company, but <laughs> like, I don't so, like if some we had cockney ass.
3: <laughs> if we had, well, it would have been funny if we had like pre all th- all three of right. us had pre-read and picked which one of them we were getting. Which ride. sanguineous, and then I that would have f- been I like don't... sanguineous, sanguineous, sanguineous. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> fucking hysterical. Just <laughs> some
2: cockney sanguineous. I don't think that's your idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oi, Brother. I survived oh. horse twice now. May we see him a third time together? I'm not thinking about that
2: plunker coming down again. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, shipyard,
0: <laughs> And then, the, and then, like the so response, and then the responses. The response <laughs> like, fucking a,
3: a,
2: fucking a fucking soccer hooligan. hooligan he's like, right, or you got a fucking kid coming? That's what I'll tell you. What fucking what?
0: <laughs> and then the response is, "Very well said, Quinius." <laughs> and you're like, "Wait, what? Those guys are." both the same uh. person <laughs> that's awesome i really i really liked it uh yeah guys uh we enjoyed doing this if you've got lore that you want to share if you've got ghost stories maybe you got some cryptic sightings maybe you got some ufo stuff or maybe you just have some 40k questions you can email us at under the hive at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com uh to to be clear we want your 40k lore your 40k questions but we also want your ghost stories and weird experiences for Loris Obscurus. I don't know, I, I think I jumbled it all together, so. but stuff, even. Um, maybe not. Uh, join and get involved with our community on Discord. We have channels for hobby progress, official lore, homebrew lore, tactics in Warhammer 40K, as well as general hobbying and video game channels available for you guys. You can also find us around the internet with Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we have a link tree set up right now as we are in the process of figuring out what we want to do with our website. So check that out. Spellings and all that sort of stuff I usually leave in the show notes. Help the podcast grow by liking and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast fix. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbox, and many, many more. Want to get more involved? You can find us over on Patreon at www.patreon.com under the hive of madness. All Patreon members get access to video podcasts with very minimal editing about a day early. So you can see our beautiful faces while hearing all of our amazing blunders and bloopers. Also, you get access to our quarterly painting contests. We also have several other perks, including polls, some art made just for you guys, and even giveaways that we try to do a few times a year. So we really suggest you head on over and check out what we are offering on Patreon. Well, that'll wrap it up for us tonight here at 665.66 UHMR ChemRat Radio. As the evening has continued on, it does seem that the weather has stayed pretty damn nice. Unless, of course, you take the hail of inquisitorial bullets as some sort of strange brass rain. That's some lead hail. Always remember, never let the door hit ya. Where the four emperor is trying to split ya. Somebody say no. No, this Motherfucker. My lord. <laughs> My lord.
2: <laughs> Motherfucker.